episode 31, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're talking with Jeff Tackland. Jeff is the lead pastor of Church by the Sea in Laguna Beach, California. He's passionate about spiritual formation, surfing, and anything C.S. Lewis. He's also a spiritual director and has a master's degree in philosophy and a doctorate in semiotics and future studies. His book, The Winding Path of Transformation, describes spiritual formation as an invitation to paradox. By entering into suffering, we find joy. By embracing the downward path of humility, we find glory. And by remaining small, sometimes we grow to great heights. As disciples, we each have a desire to grow in our relationship with God. We want to know our loving Father more. And like any relationship, this requires communication. We must spend time talking and listening to God. But for most Christians, listening is a struggle. We worry that we might mistake our own voice for God's. We wish he would just speak to us audibly so we would know without a doubt what he was saying. But God often speaks through ordinary moments and events. And Jeff Tacklin illustrates this so well with how he opens his book, The Winding Path of Transformation. Jeff found himself at the bottom of a creek bed looking at a lonely alder tree. The creek ran between a great oak forest to the south and a great evergreen forest to the north. But the alder tree couldn't grow in either one of those forests. It had to remain in that creek bed and lay down deep roots if it were to grow and survive. And God used this image of a lonely alder tree to speak to Jeff and confirm his own calling. All right, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Really good to be talking with you today about your book, The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. And I got to say, this title is very intriguing. You get very open and raw and real. And so I want to start just by saying thank you, because um, we find a great lack of that in the church. And so we, we like to put on a nice facade, and it doesn't feel like anyway enough of us are willing to sort of pull back the curtain and show what our path has really been like. And, and as you talk about the, your path of transformation throughout this book. And so it really gives us a, a look behind the scenes and you explore your mindset and what you're going through, a lot of the, the emotions and the events that were sort of the catalyst for a lot of this transformation. And so let's just jump into it. I could wax eloquent about that for a bit, but why did you write this book? Where is this coming from? Well, it's a good question. Um, I had a, a few people in my life prodding me to do this for a while now. Um, and I, I think I, it, it always felt to me a bit overwhelming to have something in print just cause it's so fixed kind of for all time. But, um, but I do grow so much by journaling already. And, um, so the writing process itself is good for me to kind of find my way. But, um, but honestly, I, that line, you've probably heard people quote this, like the idea of, you know, write the book that you need to read. Um, I think in many ways, that's kind of what I set out to do. And it, it ended up being a little different than what I had first thought it would be. And yet, um, it was this 
path of discovery for me, which kind of became the whole context for the theme of the book. You, you tell a story at the beginning of the book that really resonated with me, and I, I kind of would like to get you to talk about it because I think it would set the tone and demonstrate the kind of person you are is, is how thoughtful you are about these things. You, you, you were talking about you were sent out, um, you, you were at a retreat. And you were sent out on a task to go and find an object that best represented you and your spiritual condition. Can you tell us which object you chose and, and sort of the the in-between path you ended up having to, uh, or, or the realization you came to? Yeah, no, that that story really, I think in many ways, is at the center of the book. It, um, it And a lot of that, you know, as I, I, I was given that assignment and... I kind of joke there in that chapter that I've done the same thing. I've offered, you know, these kind of exercises for people. But, you know, the state that I was in, I kind of went into that um, that time feeling really, really drained emotionally. And in many ways, at kind of a low point, I think I was just feeling in ministry pretty lonely and was given this exercise and my way of of sort of holding it at arm's length was to just jump to kind of the I came up with an answer before I'd even left the building kind of thing. You know, I I'm going to pick this. I'm going to go out in the stream bed and pick a rock that's smoothed out and I could come up with a sort of spiritual illustration that sounded good and all that. And so I went I went walking out there. But really, the the exercise was much more of a, a listening to God to see if there was something that that God would offer. And I realized that kind of in that lonely state, there was almost maybe with it a, a bit of disbelief or something going on and was surprised when God actually nudged me there. And, and the object that I was pointing to was this tree that was sitting in the middle of this creek. And um, and I kind of say in there at the beginning that, that when I hear God speak, one of the ways that I, I trust it's God and not me is that oftentimes there's resistance. And and the image that I was given was this white alder tree, which is unimpressive and alone and made so much sense. But I think also in the end um, spoke to who I was and an identity piece that ended up being really critical for me at that time. What do you mean by resistance hmm. yeah. as the, the indicator that it's from God? Well, I think there's, you know, like anybody, I think I'm pretty good at rationalizing things. And um, and it can be a temptation that when God, when I'm speaking, I, I kind of put God's name on it. Um, and God has a way in the, those regards of just telling me what I already want to hear. <laughs> Jeff, you're doing enough. Jeff, you're good enough. Um, but I, I find that when God is speaking, it often is to these places where I'm reluctant to go, where God is in a way asking more of me than I want to give. And so I think the resistance is that part, that small part of me, let's even maybe call it the ego, that, or some people would say like a false self, that that side of me that, that wants to just remain where I am, pushes back and says no. So does that make sense as far as resistance? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my experience, God is always in the process of transforming us, shaping us. I mean, it's really one of the reasons why at Daily Growth, we believe so firmly in these everyday moments of life being opportunities for growth. 
And so if God's continually shaping us and forming us and changing us into the image of his son, well, it makes sense that there would be resistance then because he's constantly pushing against who we are in and of ourselves and and pushing us to rely more on him, to trust him more, to uh, really just let him be more and us be less. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, and that so that object for me, I think the resistance was looking at this kind of lonely place where this tree would grow and thrive and endure. I, I wanted to think of that for myself as like a, a sort of temporary um, transitional season of life where soon I would be thriving amongst the rest of the trees on either side of this canyon, right? This idea of remaining in this kind of middle place of tension, um, that that calling, because with that tree specifically, it can only live there right by that creek bed. And I think I realized that that deep down, one of those identity pieces for me has to do with this role of a peacemaker. And, you know, and I, I think... I remember when I was writing that chapter, one of the the people editing my book asked me, Jeff, do you think that's your calling or is that other people's callings as well? And and I thought, no, it's true. I think that there is um, a sort of person that's called to peacemaking. And yet what I've found over and over again since writing the book is that so many people identify with that tension of a middle place being kind of in this place of loneliness at times, kind of standing between opposing views. Um, and, and so I think even in a, in a culture that's becoming more and more kind of opposed, and um, I think we find ourselves standing in that middle ground more and more. Yeah, I was going to say something similar because it really resonated with me as well. And, and so I, I kind of wonder, is it is it the job of all Christians to sort of fit that role? I mean, we, we know Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So there is at least in some sense we should strive to be, but maybe that doesn't necessarily mean occupying the middle ground in the way that you're talking about, where you seem to be perpetually stuck between both sides, or at least being able to see the perspectives and feel the heart of either side. And And I think the issue here can be irrelevant. I mean, it could be anything from who should be the president all the way down to which restaurant we could, we should go to. Right. And so, um, <laughs> uh, you'd be like, Oh yeah. I, you know, I, anyway, I don't want to get off on that one. No. Um, but as the world increasingly seems to be fracturing and politics pulls us apart and religious issues come up, is there a, a sense that more and more of the church should be getting down into that stream bed to to use this analogy and to start putting down deep roots and maybe that's where we should really belong rather than feeling isolated there. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's true. I think that is the calling. Um, because whether or not you're like arbitrating between two opposing views, I, I think that place in the middle is really a place of empathy where it requires real listening. Um, it, uh, it requires you to be able to see and hear the other. And I, and I think that to me is the trajectory for all of us as Christians, that there's a, a dying to self that's freeing our hearts up to be able to love generously. And I, I think so that kind of that challenge to um, 
to really lay ourselves aside. I think that's what it takes in that middle place. And the only way that that's going to happen, like you said, that that idea of deep roots, I think that became part of the power of the image was realizing that for this tree to survive there, it grew this like taproot really deep and stayed really close to the stream, which is such a, a great reference. Like, you know, Psalm 1 is talking about, you know, that that's how we thrive is by being planted near that river. And so I, I think the the idea instead of seeing ourselves as alone or solitary it's like seeing the intimacy that comes from drawing our identity and our strength from god alone a lot of this seems to go back to this idea of listening to god and we sort of hit on this uh just a minute ago with um when we come up against resistances that's often how we know god's voice and i found that to be one of the most helpful parts of of the book just because Again, it resonated with me. I, I feel the same way. When trying to discern and listen for the voice of the uh, for the voice of God seems to be one of those universal issues that all Christians are trying to figure out the secret on, or trying to get better at. Um, as are there anything else though that that comes to mind when we talk about how it is that we listen to God's voice and we discern His voice? Uh, from our own well yeah no i think that that what was helpful for me is not just kind of understanding the texture of that voice but um starting to recognize kind of the trajectory of where god is going with me that there are certain um consistent directions that i see god pulling me towards and I talk a bit, you know, the the subtitle of the book, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility, I think that I began by seeing those as opposed to one another, where, you know, where are we supposed to be? Are we supposed to live lives of glory or humility? Well, maybe a little bit of both, instead of what what eventually I think kind of emerged in my writing, even as I was like looking at the continued work of God in my life is that he's pulling me towards both of those things, asking for both of those things that, um, that the humility, that sort of dying to self is something that God fully wants for me, as well as this kind of courageous glory that that's what my heart is made of, uh, made for, I mean, a, a story that's kind of big enough to capture me. So I think when I realized that, when I listen for God's voice again and again, I see God pulling me towards glory, towards humility, sometimes one or the other, oftentimes both at once. What helped you come to that realization that humility and glory, it, that whole tension there was a false dichotomy, and, and really they can be pulling us in their own direction both towards God? Well, I think— that some of it was just in reading through scripture and seeing that pattern over and over through every kind of great story that there was necessary defeat as a part of this kind of greater emergence. And Jesus's story ends up being kind of the, the fulfillment of that. I, I had read about this idea of a Paschal mystery that, um, that the, the death of Jesus to the resurrection of Jesus, that that trajectory um, that he modeled there is the trajectory for us all. And I, I think on reflecting on that and then applying it to other stories, sure enough, I thought, oh, I see this pattern again and again in my own story, where I think God would lead me into moments 
where it felt like, <laughs> hear what I'm saying here, but like it felt like God had set me up for defeat. And I would think, why, why did you lead me into that place where my hopes were raised only to feel them dashed? Um, and to realize, oh, in the midst of that, I see what I'm clinging on to, where the glory that God desires for me He's almost protecting me from myself. He's he's limiting that glory based on my own tendency to want to clutch and attain those things. So there's a, in that humbling, there's kind of a letting go of my hands, um, resisting that desire to control. And in doing that, it's preparing me for more. If you've been a Christian for very long, you've probably had a desire to hear God's voice at some point. Maybe you want to know who to marry or which job to pursue. In any case, we have this desire to do the right thing or make the right choice. But sometimes those prayers and desires seem to go unanswered, as though God's just ignoring us. In reality, though, it could be that God is calling us to listen, not for the answer, but for what He's already doing in our lives. It could be that He's already at work and already leading us down paths we may not want to travel. And it's in these places we find the resistance Jeff talked about. It's in these places where we find the tension between greater glory and being humbled before God. So I want to challenge you to pay attention to those moments of resistance today. Anytime you feel the need to resist something that's about to happen, or feel you should do, ask this one simple question, Why am I resisting this? Then take two minutes and make a note on your phone or a notepad with your answer to that question. After you've made several notes, look back over them and see if there's a pattern. Look for God's voice in those moments where you feel resistance. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we wanna help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jeff and his work, check out jefftackland.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jeff explains God's purpose in disrupting our comfort. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.